It has been said that the position of a teacher comes with great responsibility as to steer the student in the right direction. Well, today on the Career Musician Podcast, we have a good friend and my high school teacher, Mr. Rick Mightybone Feliciano, with credits like Billy Joel, Paul Simon, John Lee Hooker Jr., Pete Escovito, Willie Torres, Phil Dreskel, Zucchero, Toto, Foreigner, Jimmy Bosch, and many others. Rick is the man. And he's got two Grammy noms for his arranging skills. And you know what? You're not going to want to miss this episode because here's the man with the plan that helped me, which now in turn brings the Career Musician podcast to you. Mr. Rick Feliciano, welcome to the Career Musician. <laughs> oh man, it's an honor, man. It's a, a complete honor. It's been a blast. Absolutely. And as my former teacher, my high school teacher, I think, I believe we, yes. we just deduced that it's, it's a, uh, freshman and sophomore years. I still have a tendency to call you Mr. Feliciano. <laughs> There's a lot of, I have a lot of my former students in my phone here. It's been years, huh? <laughs> Dude, I don't even remember half of the stuff. It's crazy. I was thinking about it. I'm like, because I was still basically in the, in the semi-formative years. What was I? 14? No, yeah, yeah. You were, you were just a baby. <laughs> Wow. You were, yeah, you were a kid, yeah. What year was this that I was in? This was in the 80s. This was in the 87, 86, something like that. But uh, yeah, no, it was awesome. It was awesome back in the day. The whole nother lifetime. Man, uh, I, I remember your family. And it was, it was really, really cool. You know, you guys, I remember you flowering, you know, into something like overnight. You know, Crazy, man. But, which I think you didn't realize that you were flowering. You know, I think it, right. and your parents certainly had no idea. I had to tell them, no, guys, this guy has something, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like when they when they saw me be serious, like you have something there. You got to, you know. Yeah. So then all of a sudden he got super. All of a sudden the next week he's telling me, oh, yeah, I bought this guitar. It's like, really? Okay. I'm sorry. I, I like I felt bad to making him do something, but but then I thought about it. I said, no, it's he, he needs that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's one of it's something you needed to get Absolutely. you to get That's sort of what happened to me when I was back in the day in Brooklyn. Shout out to my Strong Island people. Uh, yeah, Dix Hills. Dix, Dix Hills. Hills. That's right. It was in Dix Hills. Uh, and uh, you know, I went to this. It was Deer a park. Dix Hills. It was all the same. <laughs> went. It was this Christian school, like this serious, you know, like. Uh, Baptist, Hard, Pentecostal, hardcore, yeah, Pentecostal, yeah, Hard, hardcore. It was, it was the. T- I'm not gonna lie, man. It was the type of shit that was scary at times. <laughs> like, it, it was hardcore. <laughs> no lie, it was, it was serious shit. <laughs> yeah, and then, so here's here's my only memory. Well, I have a few, but my my main memory of us interacting was first of all how much I liked you because you were the you were the best teacher there in my opinion because you were the most. Uh, you were the most nurturing, but you were the almost you were the the hippest. You were the coolest guy. You know, <laughs> a lot of the other teachers were real square. I remember, I remember. Yeah, very, one, I call him the oversaved. <laughs> the oversaved. I love it. <laughs> but I remember they're so saved that they're oversaved. <laughs> man, they take it to the next level. I remember meeting in this classroom. It was almost like the attic of the building. We were way at the top. Yeah, well, we <laughs> we were uh, behind the speakers. We had behind Myers speakers. Uh, Myers Myers wedges, and we were literally behind Myers wedges on the top because it, if you look through, there was a whole sanctuary down there. That's right. We That's were right. in the upper room, I guess, <laughs> behind the speakers, behind Myers wedges. But I remember you. 
Yeah, I remember you turning me on to some music theory early on and some classical music, and that's it. Like, like yep. the bug bit me. I was just, I was all in. Yeah, well, that's I've always taught. I've been teaching now 37 years. Can you imagine? Wow. Three decades, three and a half decades I've been teaching. Congratulations. Still. I mean, I just got off some a few lessons this morning. Incredible. And, uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that it's like, but, you know, they themselves have kids and they're going to college. Or, <laughs> right. And I taught them when they were like in fourth, fourth grade, you know, third grade, fourth grade. Yeah, it's like crazy. It's crazy. Man, so let me ask you this. You're Puerto Rican. I'm 100% Puerto Rican right. de la isla from New York. From New York. That's, so you're Puerto Rican. New York Rican. Right. I'm Boricua from New York. Yeah, you go. There you go. All right. So how did you get into the music? Once you got into music, how did a life of teaching become your calling? Well, actually, the teaching came after I was a professional musician. Really, I had to start in the fourth grade in Brooklyn, New York. My old teacher, Elliot Funtliner, who I, he still calls me. He's 80s. He's in his mid-80s. And he still calls me every once in a while, keeping up with my career. But he was back in his 20s back in the day when he said he told my parents on a Friday in the fourth grade, he says, I got to talk to you guys. And so I thought I was in trouble all weekend long. My parents tell me, what did you do? What did you say? You know? <laughs> Monday came and says, your son has a gift, kind of like what I did with you. Your son has a wow. gift and this and that. And we, we, you have to do something and this and that. And all fourth graders in Brooklyn, uh, back in the day when music departments were music departments, they... Uh, loaned uh, instruments to everyone wow. in the fourth yeah. grade. Yeah. That action from that music department plus that action from that guy set me on a course that changed my life. That's why I'm saying teachers yeah. can really change lives. I mean, literally change lives. I mean, you and me and have stories after stories after stories. Not that they'll, a lot of them are not professional. In fact, more than half musicians in the world are not performers they just that they use music for their own personal edification you know what i'm saying right their lives are changed nonetheless that is so true man because a good teacher can make or break the difference and whether that student is going to continue on and in what in what capacity right because you you set the initial mindset of that student yeah and also it, it it's it explodes into other areas i mean i i have this uh friend well former student I helped her songwriting. I helped her in songwriting. Um, she had a sequencer, and so we were doing sequences, and her dad was good in videography. This is nine, ten years ago. I helped her get into NYU. Wow. Uh, she Because she, what we did was we took commercials, like Cheerios commercials and a couple of other commercials, stripped the music. We put her music on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, it was 30-second spot and 60-second spots. And so that got accepted. She got a full ride to NYU. <laughs> Wow. Four years later, Google hired her because she's not a musician. I mean, she's an unbelievable musician, but that's not what she did today. She's a Google. She's an engineer at Google slash musician. And so mus Google is using her left and right on because everything, every device has, has music, right? Right. So Google is using her as an engineer. And oh, by the way, you know, music. And so she always tells me, man, the, the, the sessions we did, thank God we did music together because I'm an engineer. I don't, she doesn't perform, but she knows music. She's a real amazing musician, but she doesn't perform. She's, a, she's an engineer and she's using all her things with, and she's doing something with Pixar now. And, and she's doing, you know, music things, but in her engineering space. That's incredible. So that's testament to the fact that music isn't always the forefront. It doesn't always have to be the primary focus. It can be, like you said, auxiliary. Check, but uh, check this out. Da Vinci. 
Descartes, René Descartes, who did the Cartesian equations between algebra and geometry. Yeah. Uh, the, the Bernoulli brothers, who did the Bernoulli principles, uh, Einstein, Plato, all these guys were musicians. They used music for their own personal, uh, Einstein would play his violin for 20 minutes, and then he would write his shit. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. So it's like the perfect uh, gateway into co that direct connection with the muse, right? Yeah, because music is the one entity in life that is both math and language simultaneously. Mm -hmm. It's the one thing that goes beyond words, that goes and is tied to your soul, tied to your feelings. It's the one thing that can turn a, a stopped up street, uh, a stopped up uh, pond, stagnant pond into a flowing stream. And those engineers, a lot of these guys, they get stopped up in writing, writing code and whatever. And this one guy, he's, he's, Apple bought his company out. He works at Apple headquarters. He's a tennis sack student. He writes code and sometimes he gets blocked. And, and he goes home, races home, plays his tennis sacks for a half hour. All of a sudden he's writing all kinds of crap on his, on his computers. And wow. So his secret weapon. Is a saxophone. He says it's unlocking. Is that what? And then I told him about that. So well, you're you're doing what all these great thinkers did. So he loved that. He never heard that before, but uh, it's true. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So it really is the great unlocker. That's amazing. Yes, yeah. because it's 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 math over time and space, and you know, at the harmonics is involved. Right. Uh, you know, the harmonic series and calculus is involved. The uh, it's language, and so it gets in the crevices of our of our soul of our existence. Now, how did you? So from that time when that teacher said, "Look, you have something special," they bought you your first instrument. How did your trajectory go from there into being a professional musician and teaching finally? So over the years, I was blessed to have great music programs from fourth grade all the way to twelfth grade. We had championship bands. You know, we went to New York. We went to Washington D.C. represent New York State for the Jimmy Carter inauguration. We did the Thanksgiving Day Parade. We won all the all the all the competitions and stuff. So we were, you know, badass. And I was part of a drum and bugle corps called uh, Garfield. And we also traveled around the country. 
all that, all that investment that my parents and all that created something that I had no, almost no choice to, you know, it, it, it has its own momentum. It does. You will. It does. Yeah. It has its own directional vector and yeah. And you, and you just become this. Now, what happens in the young adult is you try to fulfill all the people's thing. Well, you can't make money in music. You can't. So I veered off a little bit. Plus, as a young adult, I was teaching over there, you know, at the uh, thing, you know, in my 20s. But thank God, you know, they, they, the, the, the church, they needed music. And so I got smacked into music again. It's like I couldn't avoid music. So were you the, were you, what was your title over at Upper Room? I was uh, director of music in school. Okay, I and thought. I was, and I was number two, the music arranger, writer uh, for the band. And Richie was the later. There's the dreamer, whatever. And then the number two guy, usually is the one that knows what the hell to do. <laughs> yeah. But he takes his shit, whatever. And it's like, okay, so you know how to pull my off? So I don't, so I'm not a liar. Right. Yeah, I know how to pull it off. And so. <laughs> so Richie, <laughs> I remember that name. What was his last name? Richie? Petrello. Petrello. I remember him. Yeah. So it was, it was really, but man, that band was amazing. And the arrangements that you wrote were incredible. I mean, cause you had a full horn section, a full choir. It was God given. Eventually we went, we got the attention of Phil Driscoll and we did an album of Phil Driscoll, which got nominated. Now I got the album. I did the horn arrangements on that album. I got credit for horn arrangements. That was the first one. And the whole album got nominated. That's how I got into the Grammys. Um, uh, I'm a been a voting member for the Grammys since since the '90s, you know, since the early '90s. Wow! And the second one was with, with uh, John Lee Hooker on uh, Junior on the 2004. Uh, I did the same thing. Wrote the horn arrangements, and that one got nominated. Okay. First one was with Phil Driscoll, and up until that time, I didn't sing a note. He's the one to tell me because I'm singing in the horn charts that I'm gonna sing. And I'm singing in the horn charts on this little Mac 512. And it's like, uh, I'm writing, stuff. we're both on stage writing stuff. And then he tells you know, you're a singer, right? And it's like, no, I'm not a singer, you know. So he revolutionized my whole thing. It's like, so you're a singer and you're going to sing, you know. Wow. <laughs> he was pretty forceful. Uh, into, and lo and behold, today I know more from my voice than, <laughs> wow. than from my trombone. It's, it's kind of weird. That's incredible, but man, but in, I mean, but in but in the Latin in the Latin market, you know, not right. no, no. But your trombone skills are ridiculous too, man. I remember you just being a badass. I mean, and, and all the recordings that I've been listening to now. Thank you, by the way, for sharing. But before we get there, because I want to talk about all the music you've been doing, I want to know more yeah. about. You just said it. You had a, a Mac, an Apple five twelve. Man, let's talk about the technology back then, because you guys were on the cutting edge. I remember being in upper room, and it was the big fan. Crazy. Yeah, and you guys had the the first Roger Lindrum, and you know, tell me more about that. Yeah. Rick, the whole, uh -huh. you, you know, you know that, huh? I remember so, that. I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Okay, well, that's good that you remember that. Uh, what happened was Phil. Phil uh -huh. took us in, and uh, he he had so much to do with us getting into the breaking through. It was a wild, wild west back then, and MIDI was invented. M I D I MIDI was invented. In 1983, in 1985, we're in New Orleans somewhere, going to a NAMM show. We do, we were in the NAMM show in New Orleans, and he tells us, "Dude, you know, you, you talk with a gravelly voice. Dude, there's some something called MIDI. 
that was invented is going to revolutionize the whole thing. Your Roland's going to be able to talk to your, you know, your Juno. Your Juno's going to be able to talk to Yamaha. And we're just like, yeah, Phil, whatever. And we were in this car talking like this, like, yeah, we can't. Uh, yeah, whatever, one day. And it was true. Midi, uh, little did I know I would be heavily involved with that Midi stuff, you know. Uh, eventually, uh, Two or three years later, I had machines. You know, I, you don't remember the, the rigs that I had. I, I vaguely like Emerson, remember. Like Emerson, Palmer. I vaguely remember. Yeah, yeah. we had <coughs> we had a Kurzweil. We had a Kurzweil. Uh, the first, maybe the first hundred Kurzweils that were around. We at the at the Nam show in New Orleans, we got the Lin Nine Thousand. The Lin Nine Thousand. It was wow. number five. I think it was the fifth one ever made. Jeez. You know. It, just crazy stuff like that. Um, the Mac 512. So here's the deal. The first computer that I did those huge shows, the Cantatas, yeah, was a Mac 512. The entire computer is 512 kilobytes, not megabytes, not gigabytes, kilobytes. Kilobytes? What? Are you serious? <laughs> How the hell did kilobytes. it process anything? How could it? <laughs> Look it up. Look it up. It, it was this this thing because because software back in the day was not bloated. Uh, it was kilobyte five twelve k Mac five twelve. The first Mac I had it was a little guy like this, and 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 so I remember distinctly learning by you know by the heart by hard knocks. For example, I didn't know to say. So three weeks before Cantata, after six months. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You didn't know. You didn't know to save. <laughs> well, we didn't. We didn't have computers. No one had. Of course computers. not. Of course not. Oh my god! Crazy. No one had computers. We were. We didn't know. We didn't know. You know what we know now. Yeah. Oh, uh, there was no cute, vi cute videos and internet <laughs> telling us, you know, whatever. And uh, and uh, and you know, and the I mean, literally, when I say it was a wild, wild west, it was a wild, wild west. And the and the met the. Uh, the books was like a pamphlet written for engineers. It was engineer speak. It was no nice, lit, you know. So we was like, I don't know what the heck they're talking about there. So we just kind of winged it. Well, the whole show got deleted and they have a cantata in three weeks after writing for six months, you know. Um, wait, 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 wait. No so the whole show that you programmed in over six month time. Yeah. This, 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 thing, was con uh, with this thing was controlling lights. Because we had the sunboard, because uh, with through MIDI you can control lights, and, and so do you know? In four days, I rewrote the show doing all nighter, and it was better. Wow! It was like one of those miracle, miracle from God kind of thing. Yeah, it was actually better, tighter, more efficient show. So you know what? Uh, I think it's, I think it's better this. So that, and, and it became leaner, tighter, better. Right, right. So it went. It's almost like meant to be, but I learned a huge lesson. I never forgot to save. <laughs> Man, and you, so and that was on uh, floppy disks then, right? Floppy disks and, uh, and hard drive. Again, there's no audio. Audio came 10 years later in the 90s. Right. So when we talk music, we're talking that and we're talking using Simpty. We're striping Simpty, which we're sacrificing one track for Stimpty and it would bleed over into another track it sucked. So I usually have to, I used to have to waste two tracks out of an eight track or 16. I used to have to strip, stripe the, the entire tape, tape, stripe the entire tape with Stimpty 
on the last track, leave a space, leave a track open because it bleeds over. And then I could only do the music there. Wow. Now, let me ask you this. What what type of tape machine were you guys using? Do you remember? Um, Tiak. It was... Tiak, wow. No, no. Fostix, Fostix something. Okay. And so it was eight tracks, you said? Eight tracks, yeah. Wow. Now, were you guys doing pre-records, or were you just using that to record the performance? Uh, I would do the sequence on the, on the, com on the computer. Right. The sequencer, I was using uh, Mark of the Unicorn Motu Performer. Yeah, DP. Back man. then, it was it, well, it wasn't DT, it was just P. It was just P. Yeah. Uh, there was Digital Performer came in the 90s with audio. Back then, it was just the MIDI. Right. There was no such thing as digital audio. So what were you and sequencing? So were you sequencing like piano and string? All like the music and the thing. Because we, I don't know if we, we were doing the whole story of Christ, right? And we were yes. doing the whole depicting the thing and this sequence yep. and this music uh, and, uh, you know, uh, incidental music. You know what I mean by incidental music? Incidental music is music background in a scene that's doing the transition and what. I had to write all that. There were songs, and then we did incidental music, and in between, and transition, and that, and the camel comes over here, and you know, all all this stuff. Right, right. And at the la at the end of that, when, when that's all set, because we didn't trust to have a with later on in the late '80s, early '90s, artists were able to do two Macs. Back then, it was all Mac, not PC. Right. Or uh, two Macs, one slave to the other. Mm -hmm. When they wanted to do completely digital and not have it recorded, so they would depend on the Mac, and if one failed, the other one would come would would continue. Winning, you know, we weren't that versed, so we mm -hmm. just did the entire show and then recorded it onto you know old school tape. Or we didn't trust that the because back then the Mac could fail, right? And there right. goes the show, right? Right, right, right. Back the, or or the, all of a sudden the music stops. Well, the Mac. I don't know. Just say it, it was not reliable. Yeah. Later on, computers became a lot more reliable. And then the band would would supplement what you sequenced. Yeah, we would give them uh, the drummer a uh, a click. A click. Yeah. In fact, that's how we recorded the album with uh, with Phil Driscoll. In wow. fact, we used we got rid of the live. We got rid of the monitors and we used FM FM receiver uh, transmitter receiver. We had FM monitors here. To have to have the stage quiet. Wow! That's how, so, we, uh, that's how we got. Holy cow! So you guys were doing like freaking uh, uh, Bluetooth before it was even invented. <laughs> FM. We were using FM. That I didn't even know that was that was a technology back then. Again, that was Phil. Phil, Phil had a five million dollar truck uh, drive up from Memphis. Studio truck came up from Memphis, parked so alongside the church, and for three or four days. Ran wires, ran it. We got rid of all the monitors, whatever, and set up the entire church for as a recording studio. And we quieted everything down with FM. Today we would use Bluetooth, but right, right. back then there was no Bluetooth. You know, yes, I'm I'm a dinosaur from back then. I, no, I love it. But <laughs> I mean, literally everything was there was no internet videos on how right. to. <laughs> do things yeah today we are all cute you know we're all right. oh see the video and see the breakdown <laughs> you, oh dude there was 
<laughs> but we learn so much when we go through the hard. It's almost better to learn the hard way than the easy way. I agree. I agree because I tell students that all the time. I totally agree. Like right now, uh, the career musician built a whole online course about how to record from home like a pro, right? Because I've been doing it for years. I've I started out using uh, a Tascam four track, right, and then I went to a Roland uh, hard disk recorder, and then I I went over to um, I got my first Mac and I went to Digital Performer and then I've been on Pro Tools and Logic. You're performer? Yeah, I started in Performer. Yeah, so I've been I've been doing okay. it for years. Is that because of me or just you, you just got you just did it? No, it's funny when I lived in Nashville for a while. One of the producers I was working with was big on Performer, and I was tracking with him every yeah. week. So he just set me up with the rig. You know, my point That's of cool. it is that you know nowadays it's so easy. There's so many options, but still, in order to make your recording sound really good, you have to know what you're doing, you know, uh, because there's so much stuff out there. Sure, you could just buy a, a little cheap laptop and a cheap uh, interface and microphone, but if you don't have to use it right, you're not going to get good tones, right? At some point, you have to decide what you're really amazing at. And usually, you're only amazing at one or two things. And if you can get a team around you, to take care of all the other shit, then then you have something. So I'm the music yeah. guy in my, in my team. I'm the arranger, whatever this and that. Do I know how to talk about microphone uh, choice, you know, microphone EQ? Yes, I know. But I don't get my hands dirty. I have my engineer. That's right. And I can talk to his language, but he's going to do all that crap because <laughs> he does that night and day and night, day and night. I want me while I focus on my thing. And I have my other partner dealing with, you know, gigs and whatever. I can talk to people, but he, I'm not him. He can schmooze and talk to all kinds of promoters yeah. and this and that. I'm not that. Yeah. You got to know who you are and who you're not. I love that, when man. When you talk do that, you're yeah. going to be successful. Yes. Yeah, you got because I tried to do everything. I yeah. literally tried to do everything. And I, and it, you know, the only person I know that has done everything was, uh, what's his name? I would say Prince. <laughs> Prince. Prince did everything. Yeah, but there is something to be said about it. I really like the, the, that concept of, of knowing your strengths and really focusing on that. The team thing, you get more, you get more better quality, better product. I couldn't and, agree uh, The recording guy, the recording engineer I use is uh, Green Day's uh, recording engineer. Oh, there you go. And he's amazing. Right. He has a, he has a Grammy for 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 mis mixing and mastering from from Green Day. <clears throat> so I could speak to him, whatever, and he made it sound amazing. Right, right. So, right. so between my music, which I know what notes to put, whatever, but with his expertise and the EQ and the mic choices, whatever, you it's like it's like multiplication of goodness, you know. That's right. Now you're not. You know what I mean? When it's like a, a, all the experts assemble, now you're going to have a kick-ass product. Soloing improvisation, the, it's best to tap into your emotions. So, all right, well, that was good. But now I want you to think of that. I want you to think of your, you know, how, you know, she she made you mad and she made you uh, use that emotion. Right. All of a sudden, man, she exploded on this, on the solo. She's like, ah. Like, right. And see, she could say, it's like, wow, that was amazing. And say, like, yeah, where did it come from? From your emotion. Right. You tie your solos to your emotion and this and that. But then, you know, then we start talking about life stuff. It's like, all right, so now let's talk about it for a second. <laughs> and now, and then we go back to the music bag and see she's still thinking about it. It's like, huh. 
Okay. And so, because I like to get more out of just, you know, the lesson because music is intertwined with our lives. Right. All our lives. That's so true, man. So tell me, tell us about your uh, daily schedule today. Like, what do you do? What What is a day in the life of Rick Feliciano? What What is your prim- primary focus these days? Well, today I was uh, teaching lessons. And then right now I'm writing uh, new songs for the next album. Also writing some song- some other parts, but some Hollywood thing down in... Uh, uh, they need something for some tra- trailer, and they accepted it. You know, I, I sent it down uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they accepted it. And so, you know, stuff like that. All of a sudden, a project is needed. You know, or some horn thing comes in. Uh, someone needs horns, and so I'm the guy. I'm the horn guy, and so I, I'll I'll do arrangements and I'll, I'll hire the horns, and when we do the recording session. And I sing the parts into my. Uh, this is my glorified tape. It's a uh, test cam, you know, the A-track. And so from here, I go back and start writing and start really uh, fleshing it out. Then I, then I go to, to Finale. And you, uh, You're using Finale to score everything? I use Finale, yeah. I, I, I had the chance to go to... Sibelius? Yeah, and I, I've been using Finale for 20 years. Every single thing that I've written is on Finale, so I'm not going to change. Wow. Actually, now tell us about that. John Lee Hooker Jr. and his band. Since 2004, I've done five albums. You do five albums. You, you arranged all the horns, and you're in the horn section. You're the horn section the leader? But, you, but you're the section leader as well. Yes. Okay. I hire the horns. The horns, he calls them hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> he calls us hot sauce. Right? So when we do stuff, we did some shows in Algeria, and uh, about four cities in, in Algeria, and... and I mean, every show just got bigger and bigger and bigger. We were doing interviews and Algerian TV and whatever. It, it was just an extraordinary experience. When we go out out of the country, they, they his name is bigger outside the country. Right, right. And how and did you? This this last one we did uh, uh, gospel album called Testify. You got to hear it. It's unbelievable. Latin Rhythm Boys. Tell us about that. Latin Rhythm Boys have been around for sixty years. My partner's his dad started the, the, the band and so so this is next generation stuff and so i came in there with them now these days and so we are you know cold you know we're we're all puerto rican you know we're all and so that's that's i love where that I come from. the when i go on the radio when i do radio interviews especially on this uh on this um album stuff basically i'm saying to them everyone um we look and honoring the past while looking towards the future so Mm. Fania, I don't know if you know about Fania. Back in the day, the old New York salsa, heavy duty, Hector Lavoe. There was a music label called Fania that they were in charge of all that. So we we just say Fania. Fania, the Fania, Fania um, sound, uh, all that stuff is kind of now starting to go by the wayside. But we're bringing it back, but looking towards new, and uh, so we write the new stuff. So it sounds like the old stuff, but it's new songs and new, new, um, you know, diversion. And people are really liking it because it sounds like, I mean, it, it, this, uh, there's a new, it was back in the day, it was the East Coast, New York Salsa. We're calling it the West Coast Salsa. Willie Torres from Spanish Harlem, he's on that album. Chino Nunez, Johnny Polanco, Before You Die, he wow. was on that album. Jimmy Bosch, he's eight-time Grammy winner in New York. He came over and at Trom- trombone. We did a couple of duets, and uh, it's a. In fact, he's he's already on the next album in the can. All these old old timers. I got Hector Lobos, t- tamale player. 
Wow. He's on cut number five on that album. And all these guys, especially when they used to come into one of the gigs and stuff and say, man, this feels like the old times. This feels like the old days. Right. And I wanted that feeling because I, we need to bridge, not to be stuck in the past, but to kind of give a handle to the past and then go bring it towards the future and towards another thing. Because that wave is gone. That's, That's right. That wave is gone. But here I am. I'm, a, I'm not alive back then. I mean, I was, but I was a kid. I'm alive now. And I want some power. So I had trombones. Back in the day, it was called Mon Rivera. Mon Rivera was a Puerto Rican. They got together with Willa Colong and invented this trom- trombone sound. And trombones were heavy, heavy, heavy trombones in the front of the salsa. Mani mm. Okendo band had a lot of trombone. Willie Colon has a lot of trombone part. There's a sound, a trombone sound. My band, Latin Rhythm Voice, has a trombone heavy sound. It's called a trobanga sound, a trombone, heavy trombone in your face. Wow. There's trumpet, there's Barry Sachs, whatever, but it's a heavy trombone competing with the vocals and the percussion. Mm. And that fight between the percussion, the vocal, and the trombones is our sound. Wow. That's yeah, it's combustible. It's yeah, 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 yeah. It's got fire to it for sure. There's a power, yeah. There's a power. Right. So but what do you? You can't relax with it. It's just one of those. <laughs> right, right. So you said you guys have an album in the can now, right? Uh, we have uh, one third of an, another album. Okay. Continuing the thing, the COVID thing kind of hit us. Yeah, you know? everybody, everybody. So we're just kind of starting to get back to it. Hey, and I want I wanted to ask you. <laughs> Starting on the East Coast, what brought you out to the West? Because now you're in San Jose, is that right? Yeah, and uh, I, you know, we moved out, the family, we moved out in 95, 96. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, you know, and I meandered, I walked away from music for a little bit, because mm. things changed, and you know, it's a long story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I can't, I couldn't get away from, you know, who I am. This is... right. That's the big the big thing. It's like you have to back then. I started late, but most people start 25, 30 years old. And uh, I started late, starting asking, "What's my purpose here on Earth? What's yeah. what?" Even though I had done all that stuff, I started asking, "So, what am I about? What am I? Right. <laughs> what am I doing? Why am I here?" When you start asking those questions, you start getting, and you're honest, and you start getting and keep asking, keep asking, you will get an answer. And at one point I stopped all the crap. I was trying this. I was trying to do real estate. I was doing all kinds of other stuff other than who I am. And I was pretty good at real estate. I was pretty good at some other things and working long hours and this and that. I had to go back to who I was that I could, this one real estate guy, this is a quick story. Uh, One real estate guy is doing 300,000 a year and I said, like, oh, he says, look, he says, and he was rude. He says, look, this is the only thing I could do good. I've been divorced three times. Yeah. Da, 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 da. He, he did, everything else was bad, but this one thing, this real estate thing, I do it in my sleep. I don't even work at it. I don't even think. And I started thinking in my life, what is one thing mm-hmm. that I do in my sleep that I, I'm not that I don't have to work at it, but I, it kind of comes easy to me. Dang. Music. There you go. <laughs> so I, after that conversation, uh, I said, what am I doing? Uh, and I need, as I, and between that and I felt like God was saying, yeah, are you ready to get back to where you're supposed to be? 
Mm. Yes. And, and like in a year, I made twice the amount of money. I got I, I, like in a year when I prioritized who I am, who the hell I am, I started my lessons business again. And all of a sudden, everything just, everything just transformed and I was a lot happier. Right. Because I was starting to do what I'm supposed to do. And then I just said, I'm going to be a musician, musician, music teacher, or whatever, for the rest of my life. Yeah. And you just kind of settle the issue. You have to get to that point where you settle the issue. I love that. I, it's the perfect segue because I was just going to ask you, I always ask all my guests, how do you in particular define success? Because, you know, it means a little something different to each of us. For me, it's changing lives. Whether I get off the stage and have this unbelievable solo and someone comes at me and says, dude, your solo, I mean, did something. <laughs> or, man, I, I, this song comes out, that, that song, song number three on that album, just totally right. blew. Uh, or this, today, this morning, oh my God, I, every five years I get this, or 10 years I get this prodigy. I think I have a couple of prodigies. They're both brother and sister. Wow. Which is weird, but it's unbelievable. This last three lessons that I've done, and, and it's like totally set. One's a songwriter and one's a sax player. These guys are seven years old, nine years old. Wow. <laughs> Doing stuff that they're 13, 14 year old. I'm like sitting there like, what am I doing here? You know, like I, I literally was like, and I felt the power. I felt like the power of God. It was like, this is, I'm supposed to be here. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.